Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Crowncast, a local Charlotte podcast where we talk about the Charlotte Football Club, the newest MLS team to join into the leagues. My name is Logan, your primary host of The Crowncast, and I'm here today with Justin. Hello, Justin. Hey, Logan. How are you doing this afternoon? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, some, Some big news on my end. I actually just recently got the chance to go into the stadium itself and uh, see all of the new work they've done in the stadium. I got to see the vault section. I got to see the supporter section where I will be sitting for most of the games. And uh, I got to see the new the new bar. Uh, they were very proud of the fact that they can now make sure that all of the supporters have access to whatever uh, beverages they choose. <laughs> and uh, they're not afraid to show it off. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a great experience. Uh, a big shout out. Uh, to the City Club here in Charlotte for uh, helping all of us have that experience. And, of course, to uh, Charlotte FC for bringing us in and and letting us see sort of what goes on behind the scenes a little bit. Uh, Regardless, today is our first ever episode of the Crowncast. Uh, And honestly, this has been a, a little bit of a labor of love right out of the gate. And I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you with me. And going through it, we're going to dive right into where all seasons start, and that is the preseason. Uh, you know, you don't get into to seeing a team on the pitch without them going through the work. And we have had the unique ability to kind of, for lack of a better way of saying it, watch the team show their work. And uh, with mixed results, I think I would say. Uh, you know, how do you feel about it? I think mixed might be a little generous, Logan, but, <laughs> but you know, there's it, it is mixed in that there was some good that got shown. Uh, I think that the preseason gave us a little bit more bad than good um, and a little bit of a, a better taste, at least for me, of the uh, standard play I think we can expect in MLS going forward, so... Yeah, for the the listeners uh, who, because you will all be new, this being episode number one, who don't know us personally, uh, we are both longtime uh, fans of football in general, and we will be referring to it on this podcast as football. And the reason for that is very simple. The army of people that wants us dead will be smaller if we (laughs) refer to it as football than if we had uh, referred to it as soccer. So we want you to know if you like to call it soccer we're not out here to hate you. Uh, we're not out here telling you you're wrong. Uh, we're just trying to uh, survive and and not be chased by people with pitchforks. So please, yeah, we get it. Yeah. We we grew up with soccer, both of us, and and but uh, there is football in the the name of the club. There is. Got to respect that part too. Uh, so yeah, that was an executive decision made entirely by Justin. And again, his name is Justin. <laughs> if you want to go after anybody, that's the person you're looking for. Uh, thank you all for for listening to that. If nothing else about the podcast, <laughs> uh, all of the hate mail can be sent to Logan at gmail Oh man, I can already tell this is going to be great. Uh, anyway, so so looking through the preseason, we both, uh, being the avid football fans that we are, settled in and uh, got to really watch and analyze the team, and I. I think, as previously was expressed by Justin, we both felt like we came in expecting to see an, a rough-around-the-edges, brand-new MLS soccer team. 
and we weren't going to hold them to the same standards we hold our individual clubs, both being Premier League fans. And uh, I think we set our expectations just about right. Uh, This team is young. It is young not just in the fact that it's its first season. There are a lot of very young players on this team. It has not had a lot of time together. Uh, Signings are still coming in and still being added to the team. And it looks like it. I mean, Justin, do you feel similarly? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we're obviously complicated. And the club was delayed in its start by the ongoing pandemic. Uh, For those of you who may be listening to this podcast in a future utopia, there is a COVID pandemic that's that's spanned from, you know, 2019 all the way here to where we are recording this first episode in 2022. Um, That's complicated some things. That's complicated the purchase of international players. It's complicated the development of the roster. Um, Our manager, Miguel Angel Ramirez, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, said that the club was going to suck. Politely spoken. You know, that we're we're not going to be good this season. Uh, He might have, in in fact, used some additional verbiage that's not safe for a family (laughs) podcast. Um, but, it, it, you know, the the long and short of it is that, that we are facing, I, I think, a level of difficulty that even other MLS clubs, other expansion clubs that haven't necessarily had to deal with in terms of building a roster and, and finding good talent, um, especially the kind of talent that I think David Tepper, uh, the owner of the club, is, is sort of looking for. So this, I anticipate, being... A slow season, a slow start for Charlotte, but uh, I'm, I am excited to have local soccer, and so you know, <laughs> we're both results won't stop me from from supporting this club. Yeah, I think we're both willing to to jump on the the hype train, if you will, even if we're kind of aware that the the beginning of this is going to be very challenging. And I think that that is the correct way to to place it in this narrative is that really, no matter how good the people we have around this club are, and uh, you know, I will, I will give them the benefit of the doubt in the beginning. I'll say, look, these are the best people in the whole world until I've been proven wrong. (laughs) And, and I'm going to say that these are people in an incredibly challenging situation. And if I see sparks of life that make me excited, considering where we're starting out from having seen the preseason now, I have to I have to hold up my hand and say, well done, you know, let's let's see those sparks of life grow. I think for me, this is going to be a a preseason past that says if I if I see a way these sparks of joy that I think will come on to in a moment start turning into the the sort of flames that people can get passionate about, then I think we've won. Uh, If I see it, it stutter and stale and and sort of run out of ideas early on, that's when I'm going to start to be concerned. But as I just said, there are little flames, little sparks that make me really excited. I I watched most of the preseason games live and went through and uh, looked back at them. And you can see an active change in the way the club is playing uh, from game one to now. And when I say an active change, the style is very similar, and they're trying to do the same things, but they're starting to connect. A fantastic example of this is 
in the first game, I did not think that we would see the opponent's goal. And I'm not talking about that we wouldn't score a lot of goals. I mean, I wasn't certain that we would ever actually get close enough to it to see it with your standard 2020 vision. Uh, I had concerns. I had real concerns. And now, all of a sudden, uh, getting into, you know, at this point, the 2nd of March, we are we are watching fluid, dynamic attacks blast their way up the field. And yeah, we get one or two of them a game, but they're there, right? I've already seen that transition starting, and it, it really it, it excites me. It gives me hope. I think this could be a really fun team to watch. Uh, but as with all preseasons, it was a little rough. Uh, I mean, I think we can kind of leave it there. Justin, do you feel like you have anything else you really want to talk about when it comes to our preseason games? No, I mean, you know, the only other thing I'd mention is, is you know, out of the four losses, I, I think it was, or out of the four matches, I think it was three losses and a draw. And a, a big part of that, too, was the fluidity of the, the starting 11, uh, injuries to some key players in that preseason stretch. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the first sort of major designated player signing and everything for the club, Christian Fuchs, uh, Horrible tackle in the first match, right? Yeah, getting the the gaping um, head wound, uh, uh, just left out, and and then after the first match, you know, injured, definitely needed to be to be held out, but also held out beyond maybe what was absolutely necessary because they're preseason and because you know what you're going to get from Christian Fuchs. So yeah, he he is one of the very few players on this team that I would say is not an unknown quantity. Uh, in fact, I think I'm going to go so far as to say he's the only player on this team that is not an unknown quantity. But we'll get into some of the other higher or bigger name players later and, and what we sort of expect from them. But looking at, you know, passing the preseason and going into our actual season, the first match of uh, the inaugural season has been played against DC United. And we're going to get to that a little bit a little bit later on. But I want to just really quickly tackle the fact that for those of us who live here in the local community of Charlotte, this has been massive, right? We've been talking about this for years. People were wearing Charlotte FC gear nine months ago on the street because it was Tuesday. We love it. We are in it. The community is in it. The businesses are in it. The stadium is in it. And despite the incredible challenges of the pandemic that we are currently a part of, I feel like the, you know, what I'm going to call the launch conditions of this, this thing almost could not have gone better. And I think that's a, a real statement to the marketing teams and, and everybody who's doing the good work for Charlotte FC behind the behind the scenes, because I think it's really easy to talk about the Christian Fuchs and the Swinderskis and the, you know, the the names that we're all going to see on our televisions. But these things don't take off the way they have without the whole team behind them really driving things forward. And that's what it looks like I've seen. Uh, that being said, we have seen a couple of, of odd challenges Justin, we are aware that Swinderski didn't play the first game. Do you want to elaborate on what happened there? Yeah, so uh, Carol Swinderski was signed uh, to be our starting striker uh, here in Charlotte. And a lot of excitement for him. Uh, played in the Greek League. We were all set. Got a chance to see him a little bit in preseason. 
you know, looks like a, a, a fluid striker, looks like a very talented young guy with the, with the ball at his feet. And just before the season started, had to go overseas, had to go back to Poland, his home country, to figure out his visa and uh, had some delays. Um, those delays resulted in Karol Swiderski missing our first match against DC United and really sort of sort of blunting that, that sharp point that we were really hoping to have uh, in our attack. Yeah, unfortunately, um, an already blunted uh uh, point of the spear blunted a little bit further. Uh, yeah. So it, and and oh. really the you know the position that expected the the player that we expected to sit behind Swiderski, uh, Sergio Ruiz, a Spanish player. We we really expected uh, you know sort of this attacking thrust that was going to come from the the passing of Ruiz and the finishing of Swiderski and against DC United, we didn't see Ruiz. It was uh, there have been. You know some concerns around um, sort of his mental health. He he was playing last for Las Palmas, uh, loaned out to them. Well, Charlotte FC was waiting to get started. Um, had a, a pretty bad foot injury. Had some issues where he contracted COVID himself. And the result of of those two, he had to step away from club football for a while because you know just needed a, an opportunity. And I I applaud him for it because I think there are too many athletes in any sport who try to play through uh you know mental health issues and, and they need to be treated uh, recognized by the team by the fans as just as important as physical injuries uh you know for these players and everything but uh it, it definitely did contribute again to that sort of blunted attack yeah and if i can cut across you here i mean i do think that you bring up a really really good point and that is that Thankfully, sports in general are now much more cognizant of injury. Uh, there is much less of the, oh, you're no good if you can't play through it mentality. And I think one of the most inspiring things that I've seen is it's not just coaches and other players that say, hey, when this person is down, uh, be it for a sprained ankle or uh, whatever the, the case may be, it's also been the fans who will who will rally behind players. They will, they will pick up and they will say, yes, I love this player, but I love to see him healthy. And we do what we have to do to make sure that they're healthy so that we can enjoy them on the field for longer. Yeah. But, you know, moving away, I think a little bit from the, the sort of the downside of that first match and, and everything, you know, and a little bit about sort of that excitement again, yep. you know, to circle back to a happier topic. There's, there is a, a ton of excitement in this city. Um, there's been an opportunity, you know, you mentioned the, the uh, stadium redesign, all the work that's been done. Mm -hmm. you know, Charlotte FC gets the opportunity that a lot of MLS clubs don't to play in a very large sports arena. You know, they're playing in the same Bank of America stadium that the Carolina Panthers, the NFL team in Charlotte play in. 74,000 seats. 74,000 know, seats and most of them sold out for the the inaugural home match. Absolutely. Uh enormous supporter section uh season tickets mm -hmm. that are are completely sold out. Secondary yeah. market apparently is at uh, uh you know a fever pitch for this opening match. Um Oh yeah, it's we It's my understanding that scalpers are asking double the face value of these tickets right now. That is Absolutely true. We have seen some, you know, events of people we know who had tickets, uh, you know, they sold 
uh, two months ago and they look down now and those same tickets they sold two months ago are worth double or triple what they could have been. And I think what you said there gives us a good chance to sort of bounce back to the stadium redesign. And like I said, I was very excited because uh, I'm riding a bit of an emotional high as I just left a very unique opportunity to get to go into the stadium itself and see basically everything. The only place in the stadium I have not yet been allowed uh, to to be a bit of a geek at is the uh, locker rooms themselves. And the only reason I wasn't allowed to do that was the players were in there after their practice. <laughs> uh, and, it, you know, it's funny. They don't want just your, cav- your average uh, casual guy just strolling into the professional team's locker rooms while everyone is in there. And That's an odd restriction that they have. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I was very upset. I, uh, I threw a very small tantrum. Uh, and I threatened to be sad, and you know what? They said, go ahead and be sad, buddy. We don't care. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, they uh, they went all out for us. Uh, we got to to go in, and we saw where, you know, sort of the back-end team is doing their work, where they're there getting all the stuff done that makes these things tick over. Uh, I'm happy to say that at least what we were shown, you know, we can only see what we're shown, so we can only talk about what we're shown. At least what we were shown it looks like the the people who work there uh, are in you know a very good place. They look to be working well together. There seems to be a real connect, and I think that comes from these guys already do this for the professional NFL team, the Panthers, um, and they're yep. taking all of that experience that they have learned and they're applying it to Charlotte FC. And all I can say is thank you because it it is clear how much is going right for such a massive job. But I'll make a few quick highlights, and if you uh, look for us at the Crowncast on any social media, very soon you will be able to find us, and you'll be able to find some images of my trip into the heart of the beast, if you will. Uh, I get to see the the Charlotte FC wall. You may have seen it uh, posted on their social media. I'm there smiling and grinning like an idiot. Uh, But I got to see the vault itself. Uh, I got to see the vault door, which... I learned today is uh, not actually a door. It's just a, a place for people to take pictures. Uh, if you try to go underneath and, and go to the vault door where you will see on people's Instagrams, uh, that vault door does not open. So, so don't try it. Uh, unless you have a very, very large special effects budget, that door is not going to open. Uh, however, the rest of the, the lower levels are incredible. Uh, the VIP sections uh, right there down by the field uh, where they have the vault. I'm not going to lie. When I first saw it, I had questions. I said, hey, that's field level. The views may not be great. You know, what makes that so special? And <laughs> it's nice down there. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you have made significantly more money than me in my life, uh, go possibly check out uh, the VIP sections right next to the field for for tickets into the Charlotte FC matches because they are they're gorgeous and I believe they come with their own little dessert bar and sushi bar. So the high life, right? It it certainly sounds uh extravagant for a supporter section, but I expect nothing less from from Tepper and from, you know, the city of Charlotte. Oh yeah, that is absolutely a place where if you want the highest quality match going experience, you are going to be able to get it. Uh you can sit right there in the vault is right next to the actual locker rooms. 
So where you're sitting or where you're enjoying your drinks at the vault bar is right where the team walks through. You're, I mean, you are eight feet from the team as they enter the field in the beginning of the game or at halftime when they leave, both teams will walk right by you. Uh, and I was really surprised at the professional level, how much sort of access the vault members will have to the team because I mean, you're going to see who was sweating and who wasn't when, uh, when they come back off the field at halftime, you're that close. That's it a, sounds like a, a, a great experience to, to get in there early, get the chance to see that. And, you know, honestly, I think get a chance to, to showcase for a lot of people who may make it to matches, but, you know, may, like you said, not, uh, not make the big money from the, the banks here in town. Uh, oh, get a yeah. chance to, to hear what's, what's on there, uh, <laughs> where the other side lives. Yeah, where, where the other side lives. And maybe, you know, if you want to, if you want to try and do it once a year or something, uh, I think that might be achievable, but it's it's definitely a very cool experience. I'm, I'm very thankful for the chance. Not that uh, the supporter section where you'll find myself uh, acting like a hooligan is exactly a bad seat. Uh, you know, those are, are spectacular as well. The supporter section has its own dedicated bar because I think they are aware that the supporter section fans are probably going to want to have a beverage of choice right at hand, and it is less than 30 seconds away from you. So I think they did the right thing there. That's going to be a different vibe uh, at the vault and, and the supporters section. And I think the, the thing about it is there's going to be something for any kind of fan. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, they've really gone out of their way to make sure that really no matter who you are, if you want to come to one of these games, you're going to have a great experience. Now, the stadium itself is cool. The uh, you know the players who we're going to get to in a little bit are are really interesting. We're going to dive in over over time into each player, but I think what we're all here to talk about and here to see is fantastic games. And uh, speaking of fantastic games, I am overwhelmingly excited because I get to announce our first partner with the Crowncast, and it is a local uh, local company called Potions and Pixels. Uh, Potions and Pixels is a board game and video game company. They don't make games. They started out with this sort of mentality that they were going to create a space where anybody could come and they could feel safe, they could feel welcome, and they could learn how to play board games with their friends. They could have a, a good afternoon or a good evening of fun and relaxation. And it's, it's since expanded out into this. Uh, we now have video games that are set up. They do tournaments, esports tournaments, as well as offering all sorts of programs where they give back to the community. So it became something that at first was just a place to go play. And it expanded into a larger place to go play that thankfully supported uh, those who run it. And as soon as it reached the point that it supported those who ran it, uh, they turned around and said, all of this is going right back into the community. So if you enjoy board games, if you enjoy video games, if you are a Rocket League enthusiast, if you are a fighting game enthusiast, if you believe that you are the best Super Smash Brothers player that you have ever known, there is a place for you to prove it. It is called Potions and Pixels, and I would so highly recommend that you go out and look them up on any service, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You will find them out there. 
And I promise you that that is an evening that's well worth taking. Uh, I can I can pass this along. I can talk all day about it, but I don't have to because I'm not actually the only one. Justin, you have been to a few Potions and Pixels yourself, haven't you? Absolutely. Uh, Potions and Pixels, actually, uh, where Logan and I met. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's a great community. It's a shifting community. Uh, you know, they have had events before uh, at Petra's. They've had events before at Camp North End. And uh, like Logan said, there's opportunity to experience uh, a breadth of new board games. Uh, we have found so many enjoyable games at, at Potions and Pixels. Or go participate in... Uh, uh, you know, PlayStation uh, Joust tournaments or Super Smash Brothers, like you said. Yeah, um, it, it, it really is. Uh, you know, this is a podcast that I sort of made the decision early on that if we were going to work with companies in the local area, we wanted to work with the ones that supported the community. Uh, this is a, you know, this is a decision from us here at the Crowncast that we want to to be a part of the community. We want to raise the community up. And to have a first partner in Potions and Pixels that emulates that so perfectly, uh, I couldn't be more thrilled. I couldn't speak more highly, and I couldn't be more thrilled. But I'd say that's about enough of that. Well, uh, you know, many games at Potions and Pixels, but not the game that we need to talk about next. Yes, the game we need to talk about next. And we're going to go straight into it here. The DC United game versus uh, Charlotte FC. Justin, I know we're doing a little bit of, of switch up here, but straight into that game. Yeah. Opinions, thoughts, where did you come from? Where did you end up? If all you did was look at the scoreline for that match, you would think that Charlotte FC is is the worst team in MLS coming out of the season, <laughs> out of the first weekend of the season. It's it's 3-0 finish to DC United. Um but it was in no way as bad as the scoreline would, would lend you to believe. Um, I'd say that's a strong shout out. That's, I mean, continue, please. I didn't mean to cut across you, but, but you're right. The, the first goal, uh, one of the worst penalty calls I've ever seen. And, and again, you know, we talked about earlier the introduction to MLS level of competition. It was an introduction to MLS level of officiating. Uh, from what I understand, it's, it, it's, I've never seen in a professional football match a player get called for a handball in the box when their arms are pressed against the size of their body. Um, took, went to VAR. VAR upheld it. It, it was I, – I was not pleased with the decision in real time. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, Obviously, you know, Christian Kalina in, in the net could do nothing about the, the penalty. It was a well-taken one. The subsequent goals for DC United were both pretty fluky. Bad deflection off of Christian Fuchs for the second in stoppage time of the first half. Uh, looped up and over, you know, if if it doesn't touch Fuchs, the shot straight at Kalina. Yeah, it is an easy and save. It is there. easily saved. Um and then the last goal, uh, again, just a, a wild sequence of uh, Kalina palms the ball away on a, a scrambled shot, and it just happens to uh, run into one of the defenders, I think Christian McCoon, uh, and bounce right back into the net. And so, yes, three goals conceded against DC United. Uh, but not nearly game. as painful as, as it suggests. Yeah. 
No, and on another day, a couple of the because because I don't want it to sound either like Charlotte didn't produce chances. There were several good attacks. Jordi Reyna uh, early in the match, uh, TD Ortiz early in the match had a couple of opportunities. Yeah, in fact, you know, we I, actually I had the ball inside of their net uh, before before they had the ball inside of ours. I mean, a foot and a half off sides, yes, but but the runs were good. Yep, good uh, cross, good run. TD Ortiz, uh, you know, for a little guy, got in the box well. Um, so there is, I think, an, a, a lot of room for optimism for the future out of that DC United match, especially as we said earlier, lacking Carol Swiderski, yeah. you know, lacking Sergio Ruiz, you're, you're missing some of the key, I think, uh, attacking talent. Uh, and you still put together, I, I would say, a respectable showing uh, against that DC United side. Yeah, when I left that particular game, and I made the decision to go and watch it at a local pub, along with a lot of the Arsenal supporters, and that is always a different experience. You know, the way we we consume football as a media really changes the way we perceive the game, right? When you are inside of the grounds, the chaos is going to make you miss little things. When you are uh, at a pub with your friends... uh, you may be enjoying a pint of your local brew, and uh, as you're ordering another one, something important may happen. Uh, when you're alone, uh, you know, or with a very close friend sitting on your couch, you can really sit down and analyze the game. And this is something I actually hope works out quite well for you, the listener, is because throughout this experience, you will likely hear from me, who will be at the games, and will sort of be able to give you the fan experience and the 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 atmosphere of the game and what it was like, as well as Justin, who, while I believe you'll be at a few of the matches, will primarily be able to sort of dissect it a little more uh, from the comfort of your own home. Is that correct? Yeah, I, uh, not I love live sports from the comfort of my house, my my TV, the cheaper beer, the shorter lines, and uh, with three kids, a little bit more difficult to uh, to get out of the house as much as. I look forward to seeing Charlotte FC play a few times this season live. The majority of mine will be, uh, you know, from the couch and getting the uh, benefit of all of the replays, getting the benefit of all of the various angles and uh, the feedback from the national announcers. So, well, I can tell you a little bit about that that explosive atmosphere when when the first ball that was called offsides for uh, for Charlotte FC went in. Obviously, before everyone knew that the flag was up and it was going to be pulled back for offsides, that room exploded. I mean, drinks went flying. There was a gentleman in the far corner of the room who was probably a six foot four gentleman, and I think he nearly hit the roof. Uh, (laughs) There was so much joy and so much excitement and so much of that thing that, 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 we love as football fans because as adults when do you get to feel like this you know when when are the moments so tense and so interesting and to see to see that that happen there in the first game to to ride the high of that goal and unfortunately feel the sinking low of it of it coming back down but doing it together uh really uh, you know sort of brought everybody in that pub together so it was a great experience, uh, but you're absolutely right. The truth is, in this game, this could have easily been a 2-1 loss 
for uh, Charlotte FC. I think it could have easily been a 1-1 draw. I I don't think on the sort of basis of the game that I saw that Charlotte would have deserved anything more than a draw. And I think a draw would have been would have been friendly to Charlotte FC. But I, I I do think that, you know, if you look at the plausible range of outcomes for how both teams played that game, a 1-1 or even maybe a 2-2 uh, would not have been impossible. And that's that's hope. That's means for a spark, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and you know, going back uh, again, and, and I don't want to harp too long on the officiating decisions, but... You know, shortly after a penalty is called against Charlotte for for really a, a ball to hand with the arm pressed tight to the sides, um, DC United defender in the box goes to to tackle a pass away, and ball clips up off of his foot and into his outstretched hand doesn't get called. You know that goes Charlotte's way. Maybe the penalty the other way doesn't go goes the opposite direction. One of the opportunities that Charlotte has sneaks in and I, I absolutely agree with you you know a 1-1 a 2-2 uh, I think a draw would have been fair which is not something I thought I was going to be able to say about Charlotte oh no pre-match I think I can properly say I went into this match just saying look don't get 5-0 don't get 5-0 and looked like it was supposed to be 7-0 right uh yep <laughs> and I was I was pleasantly uh I was pleasantly impressed by the team as a whole uh, and by the way we moved up the pitch you know it like we we said we're we're highlighting the positives here we're we're choosing not to dive into the negatives right now I think there will be time for that in the future where we can get a little bit more nitty-gritty and say hey Alon Franco why did you make this turn or you know Lindsay what are you doing, buddy? Uh, but it does give us a little bit of an opportunity now to highlight some of the players who were a part of this match. And I'm going to dive right into one, Justin, if you don't mind my taking host privilege here. And that's Kalina in goal. Um, Kalina gets beat three times in this match. Uh, one of them is by a very solid PK, you know, uh, having been a goalkeeper in my life, you, you, you're not going to get PKs. I mean, you'll get one every now and then, and you feel like a god, but PKs are primarily there to be almost free goals for the attacking side. You cannot hold the PK against him. Uh, and the rest of the goals that went in were, as Justin alluded to, pretty fluky. Uh, he was in the right position for the second goal. Uh, had it not come off of Christian Fuchs back, I believe it was Fuchs uh, back in such an obscure way, it would have been a very comfortable save. You know, he did, he did 99% of the things in that goal, right. And today was well today. And when the, the game was played was punished as harsh, as harshly as he could have been punished. I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was just going to say, you know, it, you know, to Swiderski's, or, or to, sorry, to uh, to Kalina's credit, there was an absolutely beautiful reflex save. Uh, uh, you know, he's fallen down and just sticks a big paw out and and diverts a goal bound shot away. Mm-hmm. So you know, he's he, definitely an incredible performance. And and you know, I've got a few of my uh, my own issues with Kalina around maybe his distribution isn't always on point or anything like that, but. You know, when your primary job is stop the ball going in the net, I don't think that despite three goals going in, I don't think that Christian Kalina did anything wrong 
in terms of, of stopping the ball going in the net in that first match against DC United. Yeah, and I'll I'll back that up as somebody who I've gone to some of the open practices, I've watched the keepers uh, play, I got to see them very up close and personal. And I like Kalina. I have a lot of reasons to be inspired by Kalina. He's a fantastic shot stopper. He's got the size to be a presence in the box. Uh, I definitely have questions about Kalina. We are moving in the world to a more, you know, that that man is a part of the team type of goalkeeper. And right now, that's not necessarily what I see from Kalina. But when we roll the the objective back to, as Justin said, what is the primary job of that man in between the sticks? That man's job is stop the ball going in the net. And I'll be honest with you. He looks like a really good shot stopper. Uh, yeah. you know, does he look like a, a world beating shot stopper or does he look like the, the all action goalkeeper who, who has no flaws? No, I, I see a lot of, I see a lot of challenges for Kalina ahead, but I am pleasantly surprised to say that when I see him in the sticks, I'm not nervous. If I was his if I was his defense and I looked behind me and I saw that man behind me, I'd go, we're good. Yep. And and uh you know, I think that especially MLS, you know, talent MLS challenges, I don't think we're gonna have the the sort of the bad luck that we did. And mm-hmm. I've got a lot of faith in Kalina going forward. Okay. Uh, so, Justin, do you have any players that, you know, maybe we'll do maybe one more for me, two players for you. Do you have anyone else that you want to highlight here? Yeah, I mean, I want to highlight somebody uh, I think that, that didn't necessarily impress me in the preseason, but really impressed me in the D.C. United match. And that's uh, the local guy, Jalen Lindsay, who mm-hmm. played in sort of the, the inside right back of a, a back five. Yeah, that, that's a uh, great really shout a wing back type position, which when we saw him in preseason, he was the right back in a back four. And I think there was a little bit more expectation for him getting forward, but you know, I think that he filled sort of that, that three quarters uh, position moving forward. He played well in defense. He moved the ball well in offense. He looked assured and he's a Charlotte native. You know, he's, he's, Somebody that you want to root for, you, you and, and I feel good rooting for after that match. You know, he is a local guy, and I want to be able to support the local guy. So, uh, really impressed with his play after, you know, the preseason playing in that back four, and I think with more responsibility to get up, you know, towards the end line, up in that position to whip the cross in. You know, I don't know that that's the position he needs to be played in, and and I think that. Um, Good on Miguel Angel Ramirez, the manager for Charlotte FC, identifying that after, you know, the preseason matches, the preseason practice opportunities, and really putting him in a position to succeed. Only 21, you know, a, a, a young player, lots of room to improve uh, in a environment that obviously he knows well uh, here in the, the, the Queen City. And so really excited about something, uh, you know, the opportunities that Lindsay has going forward. Yeah, uh, I am very similar on the Lindsay train. He's somebody that you and I talked about sort of, uh, you know, off mic together in the preseason as somebody who we needed to see more from. Like, this guy clearly has has it. He just has to finish whatever it is. And uh, we weren't seeing that early on. And in this game, it looked like he was there. It looked like he was ready. It looked like he was focused. And And I was significantly more impressed by him in this game than I expected I would be. And I hope to see that continue, uh, genuinely. A local 
a local kid stands up for all of us. Um, and, and boy, keep doing what you're doing. Add a, a little bit more of that spice on top and we, we will all be standing behind you. Absolutely. So, I mean, a couple of players that, that stood out were, were positives for us there. Did anybody kind of other end of the dial for you, Logan? Uh, 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 maybe didn't impress as much. Yeah, other end of the dial. I I have a player here who I really want to like. And I still want to like. And I, I want to be clear here. I'm not killing the player. I think he's a very talented player. Uh, but Jordi Reyna has just not found the the mold for me yet. Jordi Reyna is not a young man. Uh, I believe he is 28 years old. And what that means is that he was brought into this very young team otherwise to be a man up top who gives presence. He was there to be somebody who is going to be a leader to the younger kids. He is there to, to show how to train well and how to present composure in front of goal. He's there to be the guy that even if he's not a, you know, a soccer or football IQ genius has been around the block and will keep his head and will, will keep traction when all the other wheels start spinning. And right now he feels like the wheel that's spinning, uh, I don't. I don't know if I have a better way to say that other than every time I watch Jordi Reyna get the ball, a part of me calms down and goes, "Okay, the senior guy has the ball," and then a part of me goes, "What just happened? What? What? Why do we no longer have the ball anymore?" Uh, <laughs> I think all football fans will will know that every team kind of has that player. Who, who is a very good player, but it just sort of feels like attacks go to die. And I'm really concerned. I'm really genuinely concerned that somebody who I see a lot of talent in is starting to be that guy who whether, whether teams just haven't figured out or whether the pressure of being a senior man on an upstart team is, is getting to him. And right now, I'm, I'm not seeing the attacks that flow through Reyna well, flowing through him, I see them. I see them yeah. stopping with him. Yeah, I mean, I think that we've got you know a, a few players that kind of fit that mold of of maybe they're going to give you something really impressive, but but they're a little over the hill. If they give you something really great, it, it may be balanced out by a couple of of times where you really got to scratch your head and, and wonder what happened there. I, I think there's an opportunity for a player like Gabby Oberton. Uh, to to kind of end up the same way where you're going to maybe get a few moments of brilliance, but also there's going to be some moments of frustration. Mm -hmm. um, I think in the DC United match, though, if you want to talk about moments of frustration, I don't think that that I was nearly as frustrated with any player as much as I was frustrated with Christian McCoon in central defense. Yeah, uh, you know, just he's he's not the most fluid player on his on his feet he uh i at least four times in the match he was three yards behind the rest of the line on the offside trap and that leaves a lot of gaps for dc united to attack and when you talk about better attacking teams when you talk about more dangerous teams that's a lot of space that they could exploit behind the back line 
And then you couple that with what I thought was a really poor display of, um, I think, what was supposed to be long passing, cross-field passing. Uh, mostly it was passing out to touch. Um, you know, I think if there is an area where personally I would like to see improvement either in the player or in the player that is put into that position if it's not this player. Um, you know, it's that central defense. Uh, Christian McCoon just is, is not fast enough to deal with, you know, speedy little attackers. We've got another one of those coming this weekend in our LA Galaxy match. We've got Chicharito coming up. Yep. And not an effective enough passer to play in that sort of sweeper, deep-lying defender role, last man in front of the keeper. Uh, and then, you know, the beginning of the, the uh, attack. Um, if I can say something positive about McCoon, he looked fairly assured in the tackle. Yeah. But with a little bit better positioning, with a little bit better passing, maybe some of the last-ditch tackles don't need to happen in the future. Yeah, I would say that, and you know, we talk about McCoon. He's a young guy. He's 21 years old. Uh, this is that is very young for a defender, a central midfielder, defensive midfielder, defender. You know, we talk about strikers and their their sort of peak coming in that 25 to 27 range, uh, or even earlier. You know, now we see strikers really really showing off their ability in that 23 to 25 range. And defenders traditionally have have come along in skill a lot later. You have to be able to read the game in a much different way. The the patience that you need in order to uh, to be in the right place, not the place that feels critical, is is a real challenge, especially for for a young man under a lot of pressure. Uh, but I do think you make a really good point. You know, this is not somebody who has no experience. It's easy to find online. That uh, you know this this guy is is not new. He has made a number of appearances for Juventus in uh, their under twenty three teams. He has played in international uh, matches. He is capped for uh, for international matches, and that's that's not to say that he is you know an all knowing. He has everything figured out. Defender. I think he's got a lot of space to learn and improve. But but right now I'm definitely in the space where I'm hoping that McCoon is going to learn and improve because it, it looks like he is sort of earmarked to be the the base on which our defense is built around for the future. Uh, and if he's going to be that for the future, now is when he has to learn. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or someone else needs to learn in that spot. Someone yeah. else needs to, to learn in that position. So we well, shall see, though. Uh, and uh, I appreciate the time today. I think that wraps up our uh, agenda today. Yeah, we're going to we're going to wrap it up here. The first ever episode of the Crowncast. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for joining me. It was an absolute pleasure. It always is, Logan. And uh, again, a shout out to our sponsor, Potions and Pixels. Uh, look them up on social media. Look us up on social media. Mm -hmm. You can find us almost anywhere at The Crowncast. And uh, we will talk to you again after our very much looked forward to match with the LA Galaxy. Ladies uh, and gentlemen. Opener, let's pack the stadium 74,000 strong.
74,000 strong. Good night, all. Thank you.